There we go. Today, I want to talk to you about the God who is for us, the God who is with us, and the God who is in us. Today is Pentecost, where we remember the Holy Spirit coming on those first disciples. And as Caitlin just read for us, before Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, he told them that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, the advocate. I will send the Spirit of truth who will come and be with you. And then Jesus dies. Jesus rises again. Jesus goes up to heaven. And the disciples left behind are left waiting for something. Something's going to happen, but they don't really know what it is. And so the uh, 11 remaining 12 disciples of Jesus, along with, it says, a number of women, including Jesus' mother, his brothers, they're all meeting constantly, praying together, spending time together. And they're in a room together. And suddenly, there was a sound like a rushing wind. And what looks like tongues of fire comes and rests on every single one of their heads. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they go out and proclaim the news of Jesus to all those around them, suddenly speaking or being heard in languages that they have no prior experience of. God is powerfully at work, and people encounter him as a result of his spirit coming and filling people. I want to pick up for a moment on that idea of wind and fire. There was a rushing wind and tongues of fire. And this isn't by accident. Luke, who writes Acts, where we get the account of Pentecost, is a historian rather than a storyteller. He is linking back intentionally with things in the Old Testament. I want to trace just a couple of those things now. So as we read through the Bible, the idea of supernatural wind and fire is often associated with two things. God being present and the marking of a temple or a dwelling place. And if we look at the journey of the people of God, we see some key wind and fire stories. So first up, we have the burning bush. You might be familiar with this story. Moses, before he leads the people of God, is out hiding as a, farm, a farmer, as a shepherd. He's got his sheep. He sees a bush catch fire. It's nothing extraordinary. It's so hot, bushes catch fire all the time. But this one does not burn up. It keeps burning. He goes across, and he encounters God in that space. Not only that, but God tells him that he is standing on holy ground, like he's in a temple. There's something special, something set apart. All this happens up a mountain, and a long period of time passes. Moses goes back to Egypt, where all the people of God are. They escape from Egypt, they come out, and they come back to the same mountain, Mount Sinai. And in a moment where God chooses to, to, chooses to declare himself, identify himself, and reveal himself, we get this storm of wind and lightning. It's in this moment that the Ten Commandments are given, all sorts of other things. But there was a storm of wind and lightning, lightning being similar to fire. And it signals God's presence on this mountain. This mountain is God's dwelling place and is a symbolic temple where he is choosing to be. And it's not, it's not fluffy or light or nice, it's terrifying, but God communicates to the Israelites that he is for them, not against them. He is God for them. And that is true for us today. He is God for us. And then we go a little bit further, and the Israelites sit in the same place on this mountain. They build a tabernacle, which is a big tent, um, which basically is a temple they can move around with them. 
and the same fire is seen. A pillar of fire appears above it. God is here. And then much, much later, they build a physical building, a physical temple. And the fire is seen again. Right at the moment when they consecrate it and they start, the fire comes. God has chosen this place to be present and known. Right in the middle of the community. God for us. And so we see wind and fire throughout the story of the family of God. They show up when God is present and when he chooses to be known in a certain place. Okay, that's our starting point. Fast forward to the day of Pentecost, hundreds of years later. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The fire and the wind which marked God's presence in a specific location has come. But instead of designating a building or a place or a mountain, it splits and it settles on each and every individual person, men and women. It is no longer come here to meet God or go there to meet God. The place where God chooses to be is in his people themselves, in us. We are the temples where God now dwells. It, it's personal. Like, like, I don't know, like God too, it's personal. Like, that's, I don't even know what film I'm referencing, but like, it's, it's no longer like some like, abstract thing. Suddenly it's here, it's now, it's in us. We can't escape it. Heaven and earth meet in the bodies of God's people, you and me which is astounding and mind-blowing and makes no sense whatsoever. Rewind just a little bit. When Jesus was born as a baby, he limited himself to being in one physical location at a time, just as the tabernacle and the temple could only be in one place at a time. But now God is choosing to be present in each and every single one of us, not limited by time or space or individuality, he is personally present. So we started with the idea of God for us. He appears to the Israelites. He sets them apart. He says, I am your God. You are my people. And that goes for us too. I am for you. And then in Jesus, God, fully God, fully human, Emmanuel, we get God with us. He's not just God out there. He's God right here and now. And we can speak to him and touch him. But he's still just one person in one time in one place. And now, in the Holy Spirit, we get God in us. Not just God for us, not just God with us, but God in us. Not just God in heaven, not just God as a person, but 2,000 years ago in a very different part of the world, but in each and every single one of us. We see a God who chooses at every moment to be closer to us, chooses to redefine our understanding of him, not as someone who is far off or someone who is ancient, but as someone who is here and now and present and longs to get to know us. So that's all great. What does that mean? What do we do with that? What does the idea of us being a temple even mean? Well, I think in some ways it takes the emphasis off church. We're all here tonight, and that's great. And I love church. It's literally my job. But if, <laughs> but if there's anything that this passage tells us, like, 
this isn't the like this isn't the end point. This isn't everything. This is this is great, but this isn't the place where we meet God. This is the place where we meet God. You are the place where God chooses to be. Church is a place where we come together and meet with each other. And there is something wonderful and powerful about meeting with God as community. That is what we were designed to do. It should never be isolated. But God is not limited to this space. We don't have to wait till Sunday to get to meet with God again. God is in us. God is with us. You are the place where God is present. And that is true whether you're here at church or sat at a desk or buying milk or having an argument, or sleeping, or any of the other things you can think of from your week. God is in you just as much as he is in you right here, right now at church. So now what? How do we respond? What do we do with that? Well, hopefully it recontextualizes how we meet with God. We don't come to church to meet with God. God is already with us. We come to church for community, and we come to church for a communal worshipping and praying, and that's amazing. But we're already with God. He's already with us. So what does that mean for our day-to-day lives? Well, maybe it means that when we're facing a really tough situation, when we've got a really difficult decision at work, actually it's not something we have to go home and pray about at the end, or it's not something we have to wait till we get to church and ask for prayer ministry for. As great as those things are, But actually, right there, in that moment, in the middle of that situation, in the middle of the stress being up to here, God is with us. And we can ask him for his peace, for his help, for his comfort, for his wisdom, for his direction, whatever it is. Maybe there's some really painful things that you're going through right now. Maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's a work thing. Maybe it's a personal thing. Maybe you're like, actually, no, I think I'm in a great place right now. And that is amazing. God wants to be in that too. Whether you are experiencing times of joy or times of sadness or difficulty, or like most of us, all of them at once, God is just as interested in every single one of those bits. And he's not just interested in when you come to church and maybe like engage with him here. He wants to engage with you in every single one of those situations. When the stress really is up to here and you feel like you're at breaking point, And actually, nobody else seems to understand, and you're not sure how you're going to get through the next day. God is saying, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm not far off. I'm not far back in time. I'm not far away. I'm not on a Sunday. I'm here with you right now. And I long to help. I long to be a part of this. Talk to me about what you're going through. I already know the details, but I love to chat to you about it. Ask me for help. Ask me for peace. One of the main ways that I experience the Holy Spirit filling me is just such a sense of peace. It almost defies or undercuts my surroundings or my um, experience, my expectations. I can be in the most stressful situation. And when I stop and realize that God is with me and I say, God, just come and fill me with your spirit again. I I want you in this situation, as difficult as I'm finding it. I know his peace not because all the issues stop or because all the problems go away or because all the stresses go down, but because they all have to contend with a new reality, a new foundation, a new baseline that they have to start from. It's not like the peace comes and it sort of nudges from the edge. It's like God's presence undercuts and it's like, no, this is the starting place. And maybe that's a question of identity. I know the starting place actually is that I'm loved by God. 
starting places that God loves me so much that he chooses to be at home in me and he chooses to make me the temple of his spirit. And actually my identity isn't what they think of me. My identity isn't the fact that I just completely messed that up at work and what am I going to tell my boss in five minutes? My identity is that I am Ben, colon, loved by God. That's the definition of Ben. Like it doesn't get any more basic than that. And that's the same for you guys. So maybe it's a question of identity. Maybe it's something else. Maybe, maybe it's about isolation or loneliness or feeling like you're the only one in it in that moment. And God is saying, no, that's not true. I'm right here with you. And I long for you just to acknowledge me and recognize me. I truly believe that when we pause, not on a Sunday, or just on a Sunday at church, but throughout our weeks, when we pause and make space and time for God, doesn't mean we have to leave the room of whatever's going on. We can literally just say a prayer inside and go, God, help. God, fill me. God, be with me. That when we choose to open ourselves up to him, that we experience something deep of his presence and we see him make a difference. It's not that we pray and then we go, oh, well, maybe one day I'll see an answer to that prayer. No, I truly believe that when we choose to make space for God in our week, in our day, in our situation, stressful or joyful, that we see a difference made, that we see him come through. Suddenly, the thing that seemed impossible starts to turn around because actually we're not looking at it in our power and our eyes, we're looking at it in God's. And so my encouragement to you this week is that as you go, whatever situation you are going into, whether you're giving thanks for the really good things or you're asking for help with the difficult things or you're just knowing someone with you in the middle of things, that you choose to make space for God, that you choose, as the disciples did at that first day of Pentecost, as we are going to in a minute, just to take the time to go, God, I'm here. Come and fill me again. I know you're already here, but give me more. I want you. I want you here. And I would love to hear next week the difference it has made because I truly believe that it does. It's not going to be that you did that and then you got on with the rest of the day and forgot about God. It's that you did that and it started to reframe what was going on.